0: Welcome to Forward. Educate yourself on the new world. The podcast of the Forward Banking Chiropractic Alliance with your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Real chiropractic talk. No rainbows, no unicorns. Start putting in the work. The biggest names in the industry. The legends, the innovators, the up-and-comers.
1: This is the podcast for progressive DCs. So buckle up. Passion is the feeling you have that you would probably do this for free and you can't believe somebody pays you to do it. Welcome, everybody, to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. I'm your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe, and today's guest is a special guest. I had a blast recording this podcast with Dr. Emily Kybert. If you do not know Dr. Emily Kybert, check out our website, urbanwellnessclinic.com. She's a graduate of the University of Western States, but let's be honest, it was Western States Chiropractic College at the time. Uh, She's a 200-hour certified yoga instructor, develops wellness programs for corporate clients, including Fortress Investment Group, Corbin Capital, Sundance Channel, and other Fortune 500 companies. Uh, Her resume is extensive. She is a stud. Um, She is the host of Muscle Medicine Podcast, which you can check out if you go to her website, urbanwellnessclinic.com you can check out the Muscle Medicine Podcast. There's probably other ways to pick that up, but it's a great one. You definitely want to listen to that. There's a lot of uh, functional medicine and other wellness-based topics on that podcast. Uh, This one, uh, for me, was an enjoyable podcast just because Dr. Emily uh, is a great conversationalist. She's brilliant, intelligent, and... um, we went there in our talk. We talked about a lot of stuff and it wasn't just superficial quote-unquote air quote chiropractic stuff. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, I also want to encourage you to check out Forward 2019, our annual convention of Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, where we try to have conversations like the ones you're about to hear with Dr. Kybert uh, throughout the weekend when we have these events. We want to go there in an event too. We don't want it to be a superficial event. So go to forwardthinkingcairo.com and check out the event, check out all the continuing education opportunities, the job fair and expo. We're going to build out a job fair for people looking for jobs and those looking to hire. If you're at the event, you can be part of this job fair and uh, social events, TED Talks. It's going to be a great event. You just, you got to be there. You have got to be there. September, Logan University, no doubt about it. Check it out, forwardthinkingcairo.com Thank you to our sponsors, Parker University. Uh, Parker University's got their Parker Seminars event coming up in Dallas, Texas. So be sure to check out that event. And we're going to give you more information on that coming soon. The American Chiropractic Association, ACAToday.org. Definitely, if you're not an ACA member, you want to be part of that team. Um, And since they support us, let's support them as well. And we have other sponsors, Pain Zone. You can get some free samples of a great product. Uh, a lot of people giving me great feedback on how much they like uh, Pain Zone. And uh, you can go to iPainZone.com and get some free samples. Check it out for yourself. And Advanced Musculoskeletal Therapies, home of the Miracle Wave. If you're in the market for a shockwave therapy device, there isn't a better one. And in the FTCA Facebook group, uh, there isn't one that is more highly lauded than the Miracle Wave device because it is super effective and for the market and those, the price of those machines, it's extremely affordable. So uh, contact Gerhard and Marietta uh, at Advanced Musculoskeletal Therapies or just uh, Google the Miracle Wave and you will find a way to contact them. Uh, and then follow up the end of this podcast for our pain zone finish. Dun, dun, dun. But for the meantime, please enjoy this podcast. It was indeed one of my most favorite to make so far. And that is not a scoffing commentary because I've enjoyed every single one of these podcasts, but this one sits up there highly. Um, so I hope you enjoy and uh, give me some feedback. You can always give me feedback about the podcast at forwardthinkingcairo at gmail.com take care. Hey everybody, welcome to Forward the Podcast, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. This is your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe, and I just previously introduced you to Dr. Kybert. Dr. K, um, this is going to be a great podcast, I can already tell. I'm stoked. Uh, yeah, Take me back, though. Take me. Take me to your origin story, my friend. How did this all get started for you?
0: <laughs> uh, so we. Uh, I grew up in Michigan. My chiropractor studied with Goodheart, and did oh, wow. applied kinesiology. And um, I struggled with some injuries when I was younger, and he was kind of like our go-to, and. Um, Actually, I went to I went to Western States Chiropractic College, and I was like, where's all the muscle testing?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I, I was like blown away because that was really all I knew. But um, previous to that, when I was in undergrad, um, my dad is a roofer, is in construction, has always done physical labor. He, from 19 years old, he's 69 now. He still gets on the roof every day. It's the only thing he wants to do. Um outside Detroit. So when I was 19, he was struggling with a frozen shoulder. He was doing chiropractic PT, but he wasn't, he wasn't given an expectation of like timeline. You know, frozen shoulders are tricky, they're multifaceted. How long is it going to get t- to take to heal? He wasn't really given a lot of like oh, stuff to do on his own at home. And for a guy that's like, I need my arm to do what I love and my identity is attached to my profession. This was like devastating, right? Three months in frozen shoulder, can't move his arm. And um, not to make it heavy, but he, he tried to take his life basically. Well, so that is heavy.
1: No, that's heavy. That? that's heavy.
0: That's heavy. Yeah. So I got a call. I was at Michigan, University of Michigan. It was like finals period in the spring. And I got a call that my dad was in the hospital, um, And it really was a big, I mean, I I was already thinking about chiropractic. I was interested in how the body moved and how the body compensated. And, you know, I saw what happened, how that, um, that moment like really put a lot of stress and pressure on the family, right? Kind of like disjointed the family. And so, When I went to chiropractic college, it was not only to, you know, we're all in it to help people feel better in their body, get out of chronic pain, but also to help those people do that to be present for the people that are most important to them. So oftentimes I'm treating a dad and I'm doing it almost like I want him to be more present with his kids. I want him to like throw his kids up in the air and like chase them around and not feel limited, inhibited, restricted, um, so that's really, I applied to chiropractic school right after I got out of Michigan and went to Western States and
1: the Harvard of chiropractic school,
0: the Harvard of chiropractic. Um, I actually applied to national LACC, also the Harvard (laughs) LACC and, um, in Western States and, uh, i wanted to get i wanted to try the west coast so then it was either LA, lacc or western states and western states had cheaper living cost of living yeah. <laughs> than living in la as like a grad student so um, Well that comes into
1: a factor uh i'm shocked sometimes when students don't consider that you know
0: yeah but interestingly i never visited the campus i looked at the curriculum and the first person i met From Western States was Lester Lamb. And I met him in Nepal. And what happened was I had deferred for three months. Like I was gonna go in the fall and decided or in the summer and then deferred. And he called me up and he's like, Why are you deferring? And I was like, Well, I'm gonna go to India and Nepal with my girlfriend and hike backpack for three months before I get into this like hard charging four years. He goes, Oh, well, when are you gonna be in Nepal? I told him the dates and he's like, I'm going to be in Nepal then too. Let's meet up and go hike um, the Everest base camp trail. So like one of the first people I ever met was, uh, I don't know what his official title was at the time. If it was like Dean of Students or what, but one of the first people I met was Lester Lamb in Nepal (laughs) before I went to school.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting character, and in, in, uh, Dr. Lamb was one of the first sort of, he was one of the first people I met on campus there as well. And he's he's one of the people I put into the category of amazing people in the history of chiropractic that don't get that front page that like a BJ or a DD get. Like, yeah. The, the amount absolutely. of influence that he had as a human being on pro, the professionals in this profession, he should have a statue somewhere. They just never got it, you know yeah cuz we we don't even like salon langworthy and these really interesting fascinating uh, uh people in our profession they don't get the recognition that they pros- possibly should uh but he was he was an interesting character I, when i returned back to oregon after practicing in california for 7 years i walked in the building and he was also once again the first person i saw <laughs> And he didn't, he, he, well, he, I'm not, I'm not easy to forget, but he remembered exactly who I was and he shed a little tear and he's like, You're back. Oh. And then, uh, he, uh, he passed away shortly after that, but, yeah. uh, I was very blessed that I got to see him and talk to him a couple more times. Yeah. But he was the first person I met on that campus, which, by the way, he wasn't very pro a- AK.
0: No, he, he wasn't.
1: <laughs> so, he wasn't at all. <laughs> There was but a was, there's a thing you had to bridge there with him. I would imagine at some point.
0: You know, he was so pro student and having a enriched deep experience and he is was so articulate and he was like you're going to learn that and you're going to yeah. learn it after you learn the basics and you're going to learn it once you start to learn how to diagnose properly. But like learn those core pieces first and then go wild on ak like (laughs) if that's what you want to do so (laughs) yeah when i
1: graduated and walked across the stage he shook my hand and he said he already knew i was sort of a cantankerous troublemaker you know (laughs) and Uh, he was too but yeah he was so i think he saw a little bit of of him and me and he just said keep doing what you're doing
0: oh that's so amazing
1: and uh And that gave me the confidence because I always wondered if I was just talking a little too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he, one of the famous pictures of Lester, he was like in the, what's the Portland uh, newspaper?
1: The Oregonian.
0: The Oregonian way back in like the sixties shirt off, big mustache, long hair, bandana. And he was like leading a protest in the sixties and he was like on the front page of the Oregonian. So he was definitely, you know, a little troublemaker. As, as they put
1: in the Oregonian, He's he was a bare-chested, long hair. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a great picture of that. Uh, I think Maureen was his his wife, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And, yeah. Uh, he's just right there. They're marching. That's yeah. very Oregon. It's very, very Oregon, if you can track down that picture. I'll put a link to it, to this website. Yeah. So maybe you did not embrace applied kinesiology all the way, but you couldn't abandon muscle testing per se, right? There's value to it. And would you say you found that value with uh, neurokinetic therapy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I first graduated, uh, this was 2007, I was just adjusting and doing active release technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and a certain amount of people get better. And then a certain amount of people come back and be like, man, I was really sore for two days. And I don't necessarily feel better. I kind of feel the same. And, you know, that spirit in me was like, of course, we all want to like get everyone better and have have everyone be like the miracle story, like better in like one to two visits. Right. And so just looking for different techniques that would give me information um, of what's what am I missing? What's the missing piece? You know, I took um, selective functional movement assessment that gave me some information, like what's a mobility issue versus a stability issue. But it, it's, um, I found it a little tricky, like, okay, so what corrective do I give now that I found these findings, yeah. right? Even though I took the second course. Um, and we still, like everyone who comes to the clinic, goes through an SFMA screen. Uh, and then, yeah, we, I kind of dove into, it was actually Eric Nelson. He's in Jersey. And uh, we were at an ART seminar. And he's like, hey, you got to check out this course. And of course, whenever you go to seminars, everyone's like, no, 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 you got to check out this course, check out this course. And it's like, you like your list of like what to do the next six months, just like every weekend's full of like stuff you should be checking out. Yeah. And, uh, so he was like, check out neurokinetic therapy. And he kind of like played a little bit with it, the muscle testing on me. And I was like, this guy seems intelligent, which he is. <laughs> He's one of the instructors now and we are good friends. And, uh. Like, you know, it's one thing to like have someone that you're like, oh, he's intelligent. Like he seems like he's t- like knows what he's talking about versus like some guy that's like on his phone the whole time at a seminar, giving me recommendations. It's like, eh. um, so I, ch- I checked out neurokinetic therapy. David was teaching Weinstock, the founder.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I was like, this makes no sense at all. Like I took level <laughs> one in Detroit um, where I'm from and took level one again um, like three months later and literally came back to the office and I was like using the muscle testing, but I was flailing. Like my patients were like, what are you doing? Just let me go face down and can you just like rub that that tight spot on my shoulder. <laughs> yep, yeah. But as um, I became more proficient and took, you know, all the courses and joined the study groups that they have. Um, Kathy Dooley, a colleague in New York, runs the New York city study group. And she's also one of the instructors. And it was like a great tool to see, you know, what's compensating for what, um, it's great with scars and it's great to uncover stuff that is outside the pain area, right? Like the pain area might not be the root cause. So, we do that with everyone in the office. And then we use um, DNS, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization to, it's kind of like the, the rehab, so.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, uh, DNS is sort of hard to, to, it's ephemeral to some degree where it's very hard for them to sort of describe the application process of it. And, uh, and trust me, the younger docs that are listening, I know, I know that we are, we are hoping for a world of certainty and complete understanding of what we do and why we do it, <laughs> or an absolute cookbook of when you see A, you do B, and it just does not exist. It doesn't exist. There's like a line in the sand, though, where you, you have to start, you have to have some sort of system in place. And you can't just throw everything at the wall and hope something sticks. And on the other side of that fence, you can't just throw the same thing at, at everybody's wall and assume it's going to stick for everybody. And I think that's where we meet these professional challenges. You know, yeah. you, you're know, you a lot like me in the fact that it, there's almost like an a intuitive thing that happens where you're dealing with somebody and you're like, it's just not the right thing. And then it happens again. You're like, that's just not the right thing approach there's something missing and then you go on this mad hunt for the right uh, thing (laughs) and then it clicks and you're like oh mary from five years ago this was the thing she needed totally i gotta i gotta go find mary yeah so (laughs) ironically in this business mary calls like the next day you
0: know (laughs) look mary i was just thinking about you
1: Yep. (laughs) i don't have that soft voice though
0: (laughs) what's up so when when I bring associates on and I train them, um, they go through all those courses. Um, and it's a little bit of like, okay, so like there's all these checklists and there's all these courses. Now, what do I do with this information? So while it isn't cookie cutter, I try to break down, okay, so if someone comes in with shoulder impingement, what would be... Not always, but what would be, like, common SFMA findings? What would be common things in terms of shoulder stability in your NKT testing? What DNS exercises would address that shoulder instability that comes up? That's probably an underlying root cause for that impingement. And while it is – that's, like, the beginning of it, it's it's a good baseline because otherwise um, – I feel like new docs are like deer in the headlights. <laughs> yeah. So I had to create a little bit of structure, but then it's like, Oh, well, maybe that frozen shoulder, that person has a thyroid condition because they usually go hand in hand. So just like
1: Lester Lamb though, learn the, learn the foundations.
0: Exactly. And then
1: you can apply it all later. Once you have the foundations in place and you can use your own brain, your own noggin.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Going I mean sometimes we go, especially as new students, down this tunnel of like muscle testing and hunting and just being really good at diagnosing and knowing when to refer out what what how to rule things out. I had a guy come in, and um his symptoms just weren't matching up. he had numbness in his hands and his forearms and his lips and on his t- on his abdomen
1: oh
0: yeah, oh. and he was swimming in uh in Thailand and then he got out of the water and both his like forearms and his hands were numb, no specific nerve distribution. And then like that night his lips went numb. And I'm like, this is like not, this doesn't sound biomechanical. Did an SLR, both sides straight leg raise just to, you know, just doing a neuro screen orthopedic test, like legs goes up to 80. But as I bring it down, he's like, Oh, I feel numbness in my feet as you bring my leg down. And I was like, your symptoms don't add up. Let's send you out for an MRI. He had um myelomalacia in his neck. So basically he had like a disc extrusion softening his spinal cord.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and if I had kind of been like, Wow, well, we gotta figure out what muscle test and one needs to get stabilized and one needs to get released, I would have been doing like him such a disservice, you know, that condition is really like emergent with surgery within like a week. So I think just always going back to like be an exceptional doctor and then have all these tools to help guide, but always go back to like how to rule out what's a red flag. When do you refer out? When do you know someone is not like you're not going to help them? And that's okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, well, let me <clears throat> let me take you to this point and then we'll come back to that because I got some thoughts on that. But how do you, in your practice, which is a multidisciplinary practice and there's a lot, a lot of moving parts to what you've developed at this point, mm-hmm. how do you know you found the right candidate to be an associate? So we've got some doctors out there listening and they'd love to find a great associate. What are the qualities you think add up to make somebody a, a great associate?
0: Yeah, so someone who says yes, and so you give them a task, something to do and they say, yeah, I'm going to do that. What else can I do? Like they're always eager, they're hungry. um, They have great attention to detail, personable. You know, that's kind of like what everyone says, but um, Mm -hmm. we have every applicant um, fill out a personality test called the color code. It's actually Mm -hmm. a book. Um, created by this guy named Tyler Hartman and basically through the color code there's four different colors and it kind of is like we're all accumulation of these four colors but we have a dominant color so most healers and educators are a blue in blues their great qualities are um, they're they're easily empathetic And, um, but their downside is, is like, they don't take criticism well, like they really take it to heart, almost to the point of like paralyzing them. When you give feedback to them, they really need like time to digest it versus someone who's like, for example, like a red, a red is like type a powerhouse thought leader. They just like execute, execute over and over and over again. So, um, they're not good at being told what to do, and they don't like reds. Don't deliver information well. They're not necessarily good healers, but they're good, you know, entrepreneurs. So w- there's two other colors, but I have everyone take a color code, and then I <laughs> they send me their results before we even <laughs> sit down to interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one piece. Um, they have a high do to say ratio. So, um, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm aware of that one.
0: That's really important. Um, We -hmm. have like a core value in the office that all feedback is good feedback and that you should ask and welcome for feedback. Uh, With your patients, with your colleagues, like the more comfortable you are to receiving feedback and asking for it and like actually like wanting to know, you are gonna grow so much more. Um, If you go back to like a Carol Dweck model, you want a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And then I also want someone who can put a pause between an event and a reaction. So, mm-hmm.
1: you no, know, yes. I give
0: feedback to them. I don't want them to like explode or cry and, you know, walk out of the office because <laughs> yeah. that's definitely happened before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, those are some pretty basic ones um
1: did you own this did you own this stuff before you created your culture or did you have to learn how to create a culture
0: oh no I had to learn how to create that
1: yeah Um, a lot of people don't understand that that.
0: I did a lot of life coaching and a lot of um being in different networking groups masterminds and just seeing how do the high performers execute yeah and they don't, they don't let the emotional piece of things hold them back. And, uh, you know, I've looked at, like, Jeff Spencer's work. Um, another life coaching group would be, like, Handel Group. Um, I did a little bit of, um, yeah, Jeff Spencer, Handel Group. Mark Devine has a great, like, mindset course. So nice. just really looking to, like, how do the elite perform at their highest And there's consistency and there's discipline and that can get trained. So it's really hard to know in an interview. We have multiple interviews. We have people shadow us. We have people shadow us multiple times. I I give them cases and they work them up on me to know what they don't know. You know, because people are like, oh yeah, I know how to do a shoulder exam. The The last 20 people I've interviewed, when I actually get them like, okay, so work up my shoulder. Show me. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Show me. Great. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this. These are my symptoms. And uh, again, frozen. <laughs> so.
1: It's you know, like when I, I interviewed at a place and they said, uh, you're bilingual. You go, yeah. I speak Spanish. And they go, <laughs> okay, the rest of this interview will be conducted in Spanish. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think. I don't know. I like chiropractic schools not teaching shoulder and hip exams and (laughs) more.
1: I I, I don't know. I think I'm fairly disconnected from it. I I think we're miss. There was a very funny comment in the, in the FTCA, the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance Facebook group. And somebody had a very distinct problem that was orthopedic in nature. I think it was a fracture or a complete subluxation of a finger or something like that and they got poor care at one of these Harvard of Chiropractic College clinics, um, and their, their, their joke was you can't R2P everything. <laughs> and I thought it was one of the funniest things said because R2P is Rehab to Performance. It's a great club that's on campuses. It's a great organization. They're teaching students lots of things, but they're really teaching this mindset that took hold probably right around the time we were graduating, which was this, uh, this buffet of, buffet of certifications, right? Like mm, you, need yeah. you need to learn this thing, and you need to learn this thing, and you need to learn Shacklock's thing, you need to learn Winestock's thing. Everyone who's got stock in their name, they have a thing, and you got to learn that thing, and you've got to learn this technique, and you've got to be certified up to level three and this and that. And it's just a constant hunt for answers through certification. Uh, when I tell students all the time, like I don't think I was probably until I was in my mid-thirties until I actually started taking certification courses. But I was playing with all the stuff to see what it felt like and what I could what I could kind of muster up or or carve out myself until I needed needed answers. And I think a lot of people aren't they've missed that part of listening and and being the 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 doctor. Uh, and they're just looking for sort. Of, I don't want to say they're looking for cookie cutter answers, but they're they're definitely looking for answers when, in reality, the answer is supposed to kind of emanate from you, and then you find the pieces that will help you fit that like when I think of your practice and what you're trying to accomplish it's macro because there's a lot of moving parts to your practice and, and you, you've got a bigger vision and you took that bull by the horns by moving to the, the middle of New York City which we'll talk about in a second and, and yeah. just went for it but I'm thinking like I don't even see from a larger macro view of, of our profession in in total I don't see the quote unquote evidence-based folks being interested in uh, life coaching, interested in personal development. And I think that's a huge piece. I don't know if they associate it with being sort of wonky or new agey or, or pseudo scientific, but if you don't have a little bit of, uh, of some of that self development stuff in your bag, you're going to have a hard time because it's not all technique or science. It's all. There's a lot of it about application and art and skill that go along with it too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember in school, I think it was like the one business course that was there. That
1: I know you said that in air quotes. <laughs> I'm just kidding, <laughs> western I love you guys. I, I that, go there and I um, lecture with their business class sometimes. So I'm yeah. a joke um, that it sucks.
0: Well, I just remember sitting there and and. um you know, there was no like, okay, so how do you grow a team? How do you hire? It was, you know, how do you negotiate your associate contract? And I think the idea that was instilled was if you do good work, people will come. Yeah. Like you don't have to market. You don't have to do, you know, that, you know, if you do good work, people will come and yeah, that is a percentage true, but, um, you're not going to lead a team, with that philosophy, with only that philosophy. You know, right. one, another, one of the things that we do is like, if you have an issue or a problem or something's not working out, you know, the common thing is to bring it to your boss and let them figure it out. And next thing you know, the boss has like a, an overflowing plate and a bunch of fires to put out. And then you kind of wonder like, oh, why are they mentoring me? Why, why do they seem irritable? So, you know, in, in our company, it's, if you have an issue, a problem, which is not a bad thing, You know, it's like feedback's about to come. Um, You need to bring three viable solutions. And I took that from the Bumble founder. I was listening to her on a podcast. So like if you have an issue with whatever, okay, cool. Let's all ruminate on it. And then let's, you're going to bring three solutions. So you, you know, it's encouraging problem solving within the employees versus just dumping it on the person who owns the clinic.
1: Yeah, no, that's a huge, that's a huge point. And the point about, um, if you do a good job, more people will show is, like you said, partially true. But here's the problem with that. You can't do all the jobs, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then so your your staff has to do a good job. Your associate has to do a good job. Uh, and if not, you're the only one doing the job. And that's when these folks become slaves to their practices.
0: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. We,
1: um in, in the Chiropractic Success Academy that Kevin Christie and I have developed, uh, we, we've we developed a success path. So we want people to understand this, sort of like uh, identify where they're at on the path and what's missing and where they can fill in those holes. And um, the, the most essential part is a part that obviously you mastered early on, and that's what we would call building your base, which means knowing who you are and what you want, what your goal is, um, being centered or focused on what some people would call a purpose. Uh, obviously, having your father suffer no one had to introduce you to the concepts of the biopsychosocial aspects of pain. Yep. They were they were presented to you on your lap. Um, you know, uh, having some sort of mission, some sort of drive. And uh, some people are missing that. That's okay. And then we go on to building your brand. Now, when we look at your website and we look at the Urban Wellness Clinic, there's no doubt that you've put some work into learning how to build a brand, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just and you understand things. the story brand concept and how to tell a story
0: yeah,
1: and, and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we, we talk about that constantly. People need to understand how to tell their story because um, it doesn't really matter as much how good you do. There are people that do horrible work and they're very busy. Um, and we would like people who do good work to be very busy uh, from my macro level. That's kind of what I stand for. Um, but they need to understand these concepts for sure.
0: Yeah. I think when we first get out of school, we assume we want to help everyone. Yeah. And then once you get into practice, you're like, I do not want to help everyone. I mean, I do on a philosophical level and I think the more people you reach, it will start to trickle to their friends, their family, community, and greater. But you know, I mean, I've seen people I've said, you know, this is what I think is going on. This is the rehab. And it doesn't, it just doesn't seep in. And then I'll send him to a colleague because they're not getting better. She'll say the same exact thing in her own way. And they'll be like, oh my God, I get it. Aren't you amazing?
1: <laughs> and I'm like,
0: what did she say? And she's like, oh, this is this. and I was like, I said the same exact thing. So I think, you know, there's per- different personalities for different people. And so, you know, on a quarterly basis we sit down as a team and get really clear on who our you know our avatar person is um our avatar patient and you know it really goes back to like if you had to treat you know whatever 20 to 40 people a day hopefully not 120 like some of yeah. the chiropractors I met. Oh, yeah 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 but like if you had to treat who would you who would you be excited to see you know Every 15 minutes, every half an hour, we don't do 15 minute appointments. We do half an hour appointments but like every, like back to back to back to back. And you had a 14 hour day, and at the end of the day, you were exhausted and you just sat back. And you're like, God, that was such a great day. Like, who, what would be the personalities? Where do they work? What do they love? What do they hope to aspire to? What do they fear? Where do they work out? What do their friends do? You know, do you want to treat? a bunch of finance, finance guys that love to like booze in the Hamptons all weekend? Or do you want to treat, you know, creative marketing guys with like full tattoo sleeves? Like we literally break out the super niche details. Yeah. You got to um, name them out.
1: What's you, that? You got to have a name for him. You know, Kyle exactly. drinks lots of monster energy drinks and he likes to punch holes in drywall. I yeah. want Kyle all day long. whatever it is
0: yeah so I think even before you build a website before you build marketing or even like your messaging on social media it's who are you speaking to because yes you're gonna treat the moms and you're gonna treat the finance guys but like who's like the main 80% that you really want to see hour after hour day after day because then the you know the work will never feel like a job it's always going to feel uh, so we going to feel good no matter how many hours you work in the day.
1: How, now these are, these things are also easier to accomplish in a bigger city. But, uh, how, <laughs> how did you, how did you come about, uh, New York?
0: So I moved to Portland and I was like, this Why is Why not it.
1: back to Detroit? Detroit's a lovely city. <laughs>
0: I love the energy of New York. What can I say? I I was in Portland. I was like, this is it organic food and biking. And I think just where I was at, you know, when I graduated, I was 28, 27. And I was like, you know, I was dating and I, I don't know. I just, and maybe I just never found like my community or my people in Portland. It was like, you know, at two o'clock on a Wednesday, and everyone's like sitting outside. And I'm like, "Yeah, work so, around here."
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a brunch crowd, totally,
0: <laughs> and that's okay. But on my breaks, I would come to New York, and I would call up doctors to observe. And you know, everyone in Portland, I would say ninety percent of people said yes. I think I called 160 people in New York, and two people said yes. and i observed three practices and one of the women was working at a practice and she's like you know they're going to open another location right around the time you graduate let's stay in touch i'll put a good word in for you i'm forever indebted to her and um and so when i graduated about a month later they're like i mean they didn't even meet me face to face they're like you know dr allison spencer has good things to say about you we'd love to hire you um, this is a start date. you would be in New York by then. And I literally was like left the boyfriend, left the house that his house, uh, left Oregon and was Good walking around New York on looking on Craigslist for an apartment. And I Good literally rented you. a living I can't room. tell you
1: how many times I tell students you spend all this time investing in this career, your future and in all this information to fit in your brain and all the skills to put into your body. And then when it's time to decide what's best to do for your career, you sort of hang out in Peoria, Illinois, because your boyfriend's there, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, not, no relationship. The The purpose of a relationship isn't to make it last forever. There's always a reason and, and the reason isn't always permanence. So sometimes you got to get up and run and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, And
0: he was a great guy. He was sure, an I'm
1: answer. sure he's still a great guy.
0: He's still a great guy. We still stay in touch. But I was like, I want something to feed my soul.
1: Yeah. And
0: I felt really alive in New York, and I still do. And uh, I, I literally rented someone's living room. She had a one-bedroom, <laughs> and I rented her living room, which is basically the size of some New York studios, for $1,800 a month.
1: That's actually not bad. And this
0: was like 12 years ago. And oh. every time the subway came under the apartment building, you heard it, and it shook the building a little bit. But it got me to New York, and uh, the practice that I was practicing in, it was owned by a retired orthopedic surgeon. So there was uh, a physiatrist, a PT team, um, the Cairo, and it was really, there's these kind of clinics in New York, I don't know if there are other places where it's, it's like you see the doctor, you get the x-rays, you go to PT. Every person gets ordered in the EMG. Like mm-hmm. everyone gets trigger point injections. It's very, whether they need it or not, you know? So um, I was working there and I was like, oh my God, did I go into the wrong profession? Because it just felt like so disjointed and so mechanical. Like all I was doing was adjusting, and some people, I was like, I don't think you need to be it. Like you're a little hypermobile and loose in your connected tissue. Like if I adjust you, you're just gonna, I'm gonna bounce off of you. So I started looking for space and I rented space from an acupuncturist nearby. And it was literally a 500 square foot office with three little offices in it and a reception in 500 square feet. <laughs> which is like in New York is like, woo, perfect start place. But anywhere else, people would be like, what? And um, I would treat before and after work. So I'd literally start at 7 a.m. And I would see um, clients. And then I would, the other job started at 11. I'd work 11 to 7. And then I would see clients back in the rental space from 7 till 9 p.m. So I was working like 14 hour days. And after about three months, I crunched numbers and I was losing money as an, staying as an employee, not being able to like my, my mornings and evenings were booked out. I couldn't for like two and a half weeks and I was losing money, staying at an associate position that started at 80 grand a year. And I gave my notice and they go, you know, two-week notice. They go, great, you're going to leave today. We don't want you to take patients with you. And I was like, it's yeah. okay. They're not, they're, I treat them a little different. And went on on my own. And then after about three more months, I was seeing about 60 people a week. And then I was like, okay, so I need to start bringing on people, literally doing everything. Booking, rescheduling, taking calls. I was filling out HICFA forms with a pen, <laughs> like hand filling them out and sending them in to insurance companies. So yeah, and then just started to bring on like the support team that I needed.
1: Affirm this for me. Delegation is a skill that is very difficult to learn. Ooh. Yes or no?
0: Uh, no, it's not. But You have to get out of your own way to learn it. Good answer. So I think, um, and I find this with females. I'm part of like a couple female chiropractic groups in New York. Um, People uh, will delegate to someone and fear abandonment. Like if I give this person something to do, they might leave. Interesting. Um, And I think the second thing is how well do you delegate it? And then how well is their accountability and check-ins? And um, again, if you hire the right person who says yes and, you don't have to do that much follow-up. They're like eager to execute. So yeah, I think if you get out of your own way, like all the emotional baggage that can come with delegating to someone, then yeah, it's not that hard.
1: What can and I will I will never classify all of us guys over here, but we'll say the average boneheaded chiropractor guy, dude. What can we learn from our female counterparts that are, uh, they're brilliant and they're killing it, but we might not be listening to them. What can we learn from you ladies? Look, you, you dropped a whole bunch of, sources like the the uh, like owners of corporations and influential thought leaders who are female and I know none of the guys are listening to to female voices in thought leadership roles
0: Hmm. interesting okay
1: you know they're gonna go to uh they're gonna look at uh, like weird I'll just make general vast generalizations. super macro they're gonna look at their Tom Brady's they're gonna look at Um, Napoleon Hill you know they're gonna they're gonna look at the the guys and I think they're missing out on some important messages or some important leadership that they can take from from feminine or female uh, leaders who are Mm. exceptional and they have exceptional things to say but uh, I don't think some of the guys are listening or allow or even allowing a stage for it when they can learn a lot from it Mm. I just wonder if you think there are things that we can learn from you if we listened
0: yeah I mean i think um I think there's often an assumption that a female is softer or is gonna lead with a softness or kind of let things slide by and um I think at the end of the day we're all humans, and it's if we're all driving towards the same goal and you know thought leaders talk about like the faster that you implement change, the faster you can grow uh I think if everyone's driving towards that change and open to that change and implementing it, like the sky is the limit. I think some of the females that I know in New York are ridiculously um, are ridiculously articulate and like really stand in their own, um, like incredibly intelligent, like Gabrielle Lyon, functional medicine doctor. All she yeah. talks about is protein. muscle Mm -hmm. and she works out like a beast and trains in you know has navy seals in the elite for her clients you know and no one ever i I mean i wouldn't even think like oh well gabrielle's a woman so she's going to treat differently right Right. she's just exceptional Mm -hmm. of what she does and you know on a different front of like um like an elena brower she's a yoga teacher but she's world renowned and she is one of the hardest working women I know, and she is so smart about her work in like managing her energy. Um, I think sometimes we assume as like business owners, like work harder and we'll get the desired result. And uh, you know, that works for a while until we give ourselves adrenal insufficiency <laughs> and thyroid condition. And next thing you know, we have like a cortisol belly that we can't work off no matter how much working out we do. Right. So, I think
1: that's it. I think um, we are all going to be challenged regardless of who you are as a professional or an entrepreneur. There's going to be a challenge. That's what the work is. You get the honor of a new challenge almost every day. I think there is a certain grace to some uh, female professionals because they can get kicked in the teeth, look at that, and then then respond with grace. And sometimes I think some men feel like they need to just shove that square peg into the round hole harder and it'll eventually work and sometimes you just need to take your defeats with some grace uh, and then learn that um, it's not you against the world yeah there's a whole world out there so sometimes these are and these are super macro you know generic everybody's different I totally uh, and and all that stuff and and Dr. Bobby sees no color and Dr. Bobby sees no gender and all that Uh, but I'm just thinking like in general I think there's a lot of times where uh, some of the male practitioners can learn to and this is where that that uh, personal development and self-help comes in where you learn to eschew the ego off to the side and understand this isn't about you this is about being able to serve that person's father who wanted to commit suicide because of the pain and because of uh, what it meant to their own personal identity and making sure that families are, are happy and safe and healthy together and making a better world, so
0: yeah, yeah, I think women are great at like really uh, pr- problem solving finding solutions versus just like executing over and over again and expecting the same result, uh expecting a different result um, and I think, yeah, I think women are really good at finessing so
1: They got to keep the tribe going. In your personality assessments with your uh, possible employees, do certain Mm -hmm. genders tend to have certain colors more than uh, others?
0: Uh, Yes. So the chiropractors typically are blues, so the healers and the educators. Um, My billing, finance, make sure the money comes in woman, Uh, she's a red So she is just like churning and she gets high off of getting stuff done and doing it well, which is typically a red. And uh, when she gives feedback, she is super harsh and she does not mean to be. That's one of the downfalls of a red. But (laughs) if everyone is trained... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just give a little more finesse. Um, If everyone is trained to receive and welcome all feedback. It's not an issue. You know,
1: that's the the job of of you and us as the leaders is to understand that we need different types of people for different roles. And I need a point, I need a point guard and I need a power forward and I need a center and they're all going to have different personalities, you know, pass first versus throw an elbow in someone's face. You need, you need a different personality type, but you as the coach need to understand how to manage each one of those different personality types. Like, you know, your billing manager is going to come at you hot once a month. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know that an associate's probably more likely going to melt down as they get challenged and you got to lift them back up. Um, so yeah, yeah. that's fun. But for some people, that's, that's what it's all about. And that's fun. Like that's exciting stuff for other people. Uh, they're not there yet. Uh, you know, they're still on the idea. They, they haven't built a brand or an audience or, I mean, before you had all this stuff, you, you knew who you were. You built your brand you built an audience, you started building a network and then your practice and business took off after that.
0: Yeah. And I think consistently asking yourself, how can you do it better?
1: Here's the thing. All right. So you got all this stuff. You're doing all these things. You've invested a lot of time in yourself to become better for other people and for yourself. And then what, what's the exit plan?
0: What's the exit plan? See,
1: yeah. Are you just going to see patients till you drop on, on one of your patients? Like, are you just going <laughs> to, you just going to go out on a, on a work day or do you have an exit plan?
0: <laughs> um,
1: this is the thing that chiropractors mostly for the most part do not have. They have no idea of what they're going to do after practice or how to get out of practice. They just die <laughs> in practice. Like oh, sometimes literally, sadly, they just come yeah. out on patients.
0: Um, I have two exit plans. One is three years ago, we built a house in Bali and, uh, we haven't been there for two years, but it's on Airbnb. It generates revenue. The dream is to one day use it for like a retreat. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause we, you know, in a lot of the marketing world, they talk about like the pyramid. Um, And what is the tip of the pyramid? What is the most exceptional experience someone can experience with you? And also usually comes with the highest price point. Um, So like going to Bali with Dr. Kyberg, her functional medicine friend and having an intimate uh, retreat experience, learning about how to move properly, how to work out, how to strength train and how to, you know, how to feed yourself properly, um, or heal maybe your Hashimoto's in Bali. So that's one exit plan. Um, the other one is an online component, um, which really just enters in a second full-time job right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh,
1: for for those, for those listening, that's called a segue, what I did there. <laughs> so we're yeah. going to bring in this online component somehow.
0: Yeah. We have a um,
1: doctor bringing it in on her own.
0: Yeah. So we see a lot of autoimmune, uh, specifically Hashimoto's women, who are struggling. Everything feels tight. And the joints are achy along with all the other symptoms of Hashimoto's like weight gain, depression, constipation, hair loss. And they are doing chronic cardio. And then they want to come in and get active release technique and adjusted. Yeah. The research shows low thyroid leads to low muscle mass. And we know muscle is directly tied to longevity. Uh, We also know that, like, low thyroid function leads to slower tendon turnover, takes longer to recover. So all these women that are doing chronic cardio, trying to lose weight but are not, um, really need to start moving better in strength training. So uh, we've been treating these women in the clinic for years and, you know, feeling like a broken record. (laughs) But, you know, I just created... um, couple months ago, this online 10-video exercise course for women who are struggling with Hashimoto's, how can you feel strong and confident in your body? So, uh, and then eventually want to roll that out to the practitioners um, because the clinical finding that hasn't had the research that I find with those women with an autoimmune condition is hypermobility they have like a positive baton score, but the research hasn't been done like it's not a finding of Hashimoto's like oh you have hypermobility but clinically almost every single woman that comes to us with Hashimoto's hypermobile knees big sway back they got the double jointed elbows and most of the time their thumb can touch their forearm so
1: hypermobile type a's huh
0: yeah so how do you cue that person through movement patterns and through strength training is gonna be different than someone without that hypermobility. So that's been rolled out. And uh, right now it's to the general population and just sharing it on uh, podcasts and summits and um, hoping to spread the reach and then hoping to create a practitioner course because that person that i found in my beginning of my practice was that would come back not feeling better and felt like they were hit by a truck and we were taught in school to tell them well soreness like you did a new workout at the you know at the gym that's normal for a couple of days maybe 3 up to 3 days in my experience was I was adjusting the hyper, like <laughs> adjusting the people who are hypermobile who really just needed stability. Yeah. So, you know, learning from my own stakes as a, mistakes as a practitioner and just seeing this population over and over and over again, I don't, I don't think most chiropractors and I might be wrong, would be okay to tell a person, you know what, I'm not going to adjust you and this is why. And what I really think you need is, a solid movement practice and a consistent strength training program, and that is going to serve you in the highest.
1: That honesty would probably serve us very well too. But uh, you know, we went to school at a similar period in time, and and it just wasn't presented to us that way. And I don't know, even if it's still presented that way, you know. And, yeah. Uh, if you think of how people think of chiropractic, it's associated with a procedure. It's just, it's not. Um, you know, I I focus specifically on the low back and the low back only. So I've niched myself all the way down to say I am an expert at the low back and I have referral sources for everything else. And if I still meet a new crowd or a new network or a new person says, What do you do? So, well, you know, I do this, that, and the other and I specialize in the low back, they're still going straight to chiropractic and you're like, well, 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 well you know Um, I'm, I'm probably more aligned with the McGill method than anything else. And I would say that's probably pretty far from what you would think chiropractic is. Yeah. It's really hard to get to disassociate people from the thought. And it's also hard to disassociate the chiropractors from the thought that, uh, that's what they do. They adjust all day and they adjust everything. And if, if the adjusting didn't work, they just do more adjusting.
0: And it's like and then we point, all walk out of school hypermobile.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's what I was talking about when I said we throw the same thing at the wall and hope it sticks for somebody. Uh, you gotta you gotta have I don't know. It's like classification system. You gotta you gotta kind of know when somebody's walking in what direction you think you might want to go, and then pursue that direction, uh, and then throw throw some things out. And bring some new things in. Yeah,
0: I mean, some of the women that I've seen that have Hashimoto's, that have hypermobility, I've even seen like earlier Dan, those women. Yeah. They're like, oh, my old chiropractor used to adjust me like thirty to forty times a year, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, those poor little joints are going to need some, probably some regenerative yeah. injections to create a little bit of stability in there.
1: One of the the greatest things Stu McGill ever said to me was, it's not what you do for the person in your office right then and there. It's what you've done for them 10 years down the road, like the overall result, the long-term result. Yeah. And uh, if you got to make up your mind at some point, some people say these adjustments do everything in the world. They're the most powerful thing in the world. And some people say these adjustments aren't that big of a deal. They don't really do much. You make up your mind. Either they don't do much or they do a whole lot. And if they do do a whole lot, then you better treat when you deliver the adjustment and not with some damn respect and not just uh, throw that thing out there willy nilly on everybody, you know?
0: Yeah. The, uh, the chiropractor that I was dating when I was in school, he was like, you know, the most important thing to not only be skilled in is the adjustment and the finesse and the speed of it, but is also knowing when not to adjust and I was like, oh, okay, and I I didn't even think of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, we we typically say that on a more, once again, macro scale, like, oh, that person has a fracture, so that's when we not adjust, but it's also, like, these these more, um, maybe functional medicine, and these more blurred line conditions, like somebody who's on this spectrum of hypermobility, but they're not EDS, they're not Ehlers-Danlos, they're just on that spectrum of hypermobility, maybe that's not the time. So so a, a more distinct assessment assessment system and follow through with the patients for the docs listening, like you got to have a before, during, and after marketing unit, but part of that after marketing unit is is really just being curious what happens to your patients when they're not in your office anymore. What happens in their lives? Like, where do they go? What do they do? Do they then go through to the low back supermarket and they end up with braces and PT and injections and, or did the advice you give them actually do them the service where they feel great 10 years later?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you don't know, you don't know when you're dropping on somebody in the office unless you ask 10 years later. So you got to have a <laughs> longitudinal studies in your own practice of what you're doing. And I think there's some great companies coming along and helping with that. Uh, you know, Cairo Up has a great sort of tracking method. Uh, Spine IQ is going to come along with a great uh, tracking method for for your results and your in and your treatment plans. And that's the future is not just what do we do for these people now and they feel good for a week, but how did we actually truly Change their lives in a way that it can be absolutely um, uh, validating to what we do as as a profession.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you find so, a lot of your listeners feel who are actually in practice feel like a like a slave to their practice? Like they're like, oh, I can never go on vacation, or I haven't gone on vacation for nine years, or.
1: We see a lot of that. We see that a lot in the chiropractic success academy, particularly like uh, the, we call it the leaky bucket. You know, they come in to the CSA looking for ways to fill their leaky bucket. Like, how do I get more new patients? How do I get more patients? How do I get more patients? And we try to sort of see if they are open minded enough to say, maybe more new patients isn't the answer for you. Uh, maybe more businesses, maybe better business is better than more business for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, managing your patients or managing your overhead or managing how you communicate uh, to take some effort out of this is better for you. We had one person a couple days ago post in our private Facebook group for the members. Uh, he said, you know, I had a uh, colleague down the street who I knew and he says, it's kind of bothering me. He was, seemed, seemed like a, a healthy individual and he was doing a great job and he was very proud of the fact that he helped people in his practice and he just died one day in his office. He just died. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, and he he was sort of torn up about it. And I I tried to tell the members, you can't make, you can't make chiropractic your whole life. Like you can't, you can't make being more busy and seeing more patients and, and all this stuff and, and the ego wrapped up in the fact that you help people, you can't let that consume you because quite honestly, When you're done with this profession, this profession doesn't care about you, and no one's really going to care you're gone except for your couple patients. You know, no one's going to cry. It's not from a um, you know from a very sort of uh, philosophical point of view. It's not that much to invest your whole entire life in, is what you do inside your office walls. So what you do with your community uh, and your family and creating an exit strategy, create using your business as a vehicle to create bigger things in life. This pyramid that you're talking about, right? You're talking about the pyramid from a marketing or personal growth point of view, but that pyramid is also a ladder for doing bigger things in the world in general. Like, okay, I got this practice and the practice makes me money. I can use that money now for charity or to create a nonprofit, or I can do it to expand and, and grow. And then I can, um, I can offer scholarships to kids. My kids can go to good. There's always these ways you can step up. I can expand. I can create an online business. I can create, I can go into the corporate wellness field. I can create these other things that are passive income related so that I don't have to die in my office, which it's terrifying for me because I'm a lone wolf. So no one's going to find me for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, where did he go?
0: I also think well, no, just like, my Sweet. wife
1: would be concerned. but
0: Yeah, your wife would be, <laughs> be calling the office. <laughs>
1: He's probably at the office dying on his patients again. Um, yeah, so I think they're, they're not, I think the concerns for everybody are like insurance reimbursements. And it's like, well, you don't have to live that life if you don't want to. True. So, yeah. so it goes all the way back to that building the base. What life do you want to live? Yeah. Want to play the insurance game? Then you need to shut your pie hole and play the damn game the way it's played. But don't come out of that system thinking, like, well, that system's not fair and I can't practice the way I really want to because I have to just adjust and build for, you know, then don't play the game. Uh, be a, you know, like if you want to do the McGill method, which is like a three hour initial assessment and you charge people cash by the hour, then that's what you need to do. And you might not see 40 people a day <laughs> if you're doing three-hour assessments, but you might as well bill for your time and what you're worth, you know? And if you see yeah. four people a day, that's a pretty nice day.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, everyone assumes more and bigger is better and
1: yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No.
0: So... Yeah. And I think it's easier to start to step away from the practice and have a, you know, if you have the pieces in place to run, you know, like if you have doctors to treat patients and people to manage, you know, the, the
1: funds coming in, in baby steps. So yeah, you show them a little bit like, Hey, you can take a day off and the whole place won't burn down.
0: Yeah, because I think that's the assumption is like, if I'm not there, they're all leave. And then what will I have?
1: You can go um, camping on a weekend, but leave on a Thursday and it's still going to be okay. Uh, yeah. one, of our, one of our members, uh, Dr. Joe, Joe Denke down in uh, Texas, he had his first legitimate vacation in his entire career. And he was like, this is the most amazing thing. This is what I need to fight for because he got to take his wife and kids on a vacation.
0: That is so crazy.
1: And <laughs> it's, crazy. You know, and that's wild because that was that whole American dream, right. Of just a, a standard job was you, you worked in your cubicle and then you got two weeks of vacation. And a lot of chiros don't even get those two weeks.
0: Yeah. When yeah. I was the lone wolf, I, I, I've i always wanted to go to the Patagonias and go hiking. Yeah. And yeah. I, took, I closed my office for three weeks and I did have a little sphincter check. Like, Oh my God, is everyone going to come back in the new year? And, uh, Went hiking and it was amazing. And so my girlfriend, and like at the time, partied in, uh, in Argentina. And I came back and it was like, you know, uh, people were like hungrier than ever to come in. So yeah. that was the baby step. And then once I had a team, it was, uh, I took, you know, four and a half months maternity leave, which is not the norm in the country. And oh, you had a baby too? Oh, I got a baby and I'm another baby on the way. So,
1: Oh, congratulations. Thanks. I didn't know that part. That adds a whole different element to it too, you know.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, with having a house in Bali, you want to kind of enjoy it. So, yeah, you know, took two months there. And, you know, you really taking the time. You know, when I was in Bali, I loved being in Bali. And after like three weeks, I was like, I'm ready to go back. Like, I love... <laughs> And my husband's like, I could do this for like years. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. <laughs> well, uh, the creative people create their ways into it. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I implore. Every, that's the problem with sort of the evidence-based side of our profession is is they are sort of. I don't want to call them all rule followers, but they're like, what are the guidelines? What's right? What's wrong? They're justice-minded. A lot of them. Mm. It's like you look at the the more. Um, straighter chiropractors and they're a little more creative with their sometimes a little too creative with their (laughs) explanation of what's going on or with their business practices but this is like i always say it over and over this is a choose your own adventure that's one of the benefits of being a chiropractor you can do this any way you want i'm i am me personally i'm just asking you do it with some ethics and and being patient centered first but after that i mean the sky's the limit go for it get it It done. Cause, and I got to earn our, our explicit, uh, our parental warning label here. So so I got to cuss at some point my life is just too fucking short, man. (laughs) Yeah. You can't like, you know, someone gave me a hard time about the, the FTCA and and like, uh, you know, I put time into it. I put time into this podcast. I put time into making sure the website's great and that there's a community. I, I believe that communities are the future and uh, just the way the internet sort of works right now and the way that everybody really strives for some sort of community and being a member of something. I've created a membership community and, and it's like people give me a hard time. Like, well, he's not in the office seeing 60 people a day. So, you know, what's, I'm like, I'm not on that trip anymore, man. I used to see 80, 60, 80 people a day, 300 people a week. That's not, it's not, it's not fulfilling to me. I know, I know I can do that, but, um,
0: yeah, I also think it's not sustainable. I mean, all of the people that I know that have done that, and it's only a handful, usually suffer from overuse injuries and then usually are, like, yeah. using an activator. Like There
1: was ago. one point, uh, the girl that I dated in chiropractic college when we were breaking up because I was working so much and commuting on top of that, um, where she was like, I'm done, and I thought I was about to, like – have a heart attack in the waiting room. Once again, dying on patients, you know, go, okay. So I am not managing stress very well here at all. <laughs> and, uh, and that was one of my wake up signs. Like uh, I'm too young to have any sort of thing, knock me down health wise or emotionally wise. And that's when I got into my own self-development phases and my own, my own resources for that.
0: Yeah. Dr. I mean, I think Dyer, think-
1: the, the father I never had, Dr. Wayne Dyer.
0: <laughs> oh, I think if you can dream it, you can build it, you know, it's just, I don't know where we learned in our adulthood that like dreaming big and I'm not talking like, Ooh, I'm going to make millions and millions of dollars, but creating something bigger than yourself and dreaming big was like, we shied away from that. You know, when we were kids, it was like, I'm going to be a superhero when I grow up and like dreamed really big. And you know, and somewhere yeah. around the, down the road that, I don't know, got beaten out of us. Um, yeah. I'm I mean, when I'm you exist.
1: I don't know who, who set you up to be who you are whether it was family experiences or just the the community if it was a feast of friends or if it was just family specific but I think they've created a very special person Mm -hmm. um and and our profession is blessed to have you in it because you could have done anything anywhere I would think um I think the citizens of New York are are blessed to have you as well the ones who fit your avatar that is (laughs) um (laughs) And I've got some advice for you off the air. I think that you would appreciate. So we'll talk about that in a second. Um can't wait. But uh, your podcast is called the Muscle Medicine Podcast. Can you tell us how to find that, what you tend to talk about on your podcast? And we'll get you some listeners too.
0: Yeah, it's... Probably uh, more listeners
1: than me. So
0: <laughs> it's functional movement meets functional medicine. It's how to feed and train and rehab the largest organ in the body, the muscle. So we've had people on like... Rob Wolf, uh, Chris Duffins, who has the world record for two consecutive deadlifts at 1,002 okay. pounds.
1: Right. Yeah. It's right down the street from me here. Yep.
0: Yeah, and at Kabuki Strength. And yeah, like one of the world-leading researchers on protein, uh, Donald Layman, And just really giving resources and information to how to heal your body, feel better, really around the focus of... Strength training and um, eating well. So, kind of a functional movement meets functional medicine. iTunes. Yep. iTunes, Stitcher, Mm
1: -hmm. Spotify yet?
0: Uh, I have to check with my podcast producer, but hopefully, your stuff
1: on Spotify. Yeah, it'll it'll work good for you. Um, Maybe in the near future, we can have you come on and bring your special friend there and talk about some funky med. Because I don't think on this podcast we talk about funky med much, and there's some there's some misconceptions about it, and I think it confuses a lot of people. And I don't know if they like some of the s- typical musculoskeletal practitioners don't know why it's important or who to refer to. Mm. Um, or you know, my my previous partner was an internal medicine specialist that was a functional medicine. I think he he was part of the instructional staff at. The Institute for Functional Medicine, or something like that. Nice. So, awesome. so he, he knew his stuff, but it was always sort of uh, you know, I was just going to refer all that. I, I had an easy punt down the hall to him. So, uh, was and I memory? think
0: a lot of the um, like Brett Winchester, uh, DNS instructor, MPI instructor, great practice out of Saint Louis. He is a functional medicine doctor because he knows. If you have inflammation, if you have other stuff going on, it doesn't matter how much rehab, strength training, chiropractic adjustments, soft tissue work you do, you're not going to feel, you know, the person's not going to feel better if there's something else going on.
1: So there's a great chapter in uh, clinical reasoning and spine pain uh, that was written by David Seaman about some of these pathways with back pain and and nutritional deficiencies that everyone's got to read. That'll start to open the window. It's a very good primer on why nutrition is important. Um. And I don't even think we we even get close to scratching that surface.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's so important.
1: You got anything else for me? Um, I think we should do this again. We like a friend I never had.
0: <laughs> we should totally do it again. I'll bring I'll bring Gabrielle on. She is like yeah,
1: totally, totally
0: fierce, and she is definitely like yo. I had eighteen years. Of- oh man. Um, of education double yeah, yeah. fellowships. And uh, so she might, you know, tear do, functional medicine and do it, a new school one. She yeah, has, She has the data and the research to back it. So yeah. yeah, I
1: like coming, I like playing dumb on the podcast and having people school me. That works. <laughs> I play like the whipping boy. It works. Uh, it's been a tremendous pleasure. Um, we will be doing this again. Um, and uh that pyramid that you're designing for yourself, you deserve it. So keep going.
0: Thank you. It was awesome talking to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like,
0: only like a decade. So this <laughs> was <laughs> so the last time I saw you.
1: <laughs> I Less hair. And I think I'm not, I'm, I, well, most people think I'm not nice, but I'm nicer now. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know me in school. I was, I was, uh, I would yell out in class. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> um, but justice isn't everything in the world. Sometimes you just gotta smile and let, let the world turn. Yeah. All right. How was that? How was that interview? Huh? Um now it's time for the pain zone finish. Dun dun dun. We wrap up each podcast, reminding you to check out painzone at iPainzone.com. Uh, sample all their great products, give them support. They support us uh, and they are keeping it real. They're not going to sell out to big box stores or website companies. They're going to make this product for you, the provider, so that you can create and pass on great products to your patients. Um, I've been hitting a theme lately in my life and this this podcast that we just finished with Dr. Emily Kybird sort of re emphasizes some of that. And it's just this idea that uh, uh, we can get so wrapped up in our practice lives and in what we're doing with chiropractic. Um, it can, it's it, sometimes it can be like, if you're so passionate about it, it can be all consuming. It can take over mind space take over your dreams you sleep about you know you wake up and you eat and you sleep and you drink chiropractic and that's what you want as a professional if you're a professional hockey player you'd want to eat sleep and drink hockey too but at some time you gotta uh step back or you've got to understand that it's it's kind of it's just life and this is part of life but it doesn't have to be all of your life and um I think Dr. Emily is a great representation of that. She's a consummate professional, but I think uh, the theme there is that that doesn't mean it has to own you in the process. You need to, you need to treat uh, this profession that you're in as a beast and you're the beast tamer and you've got to keep that beast in line and in a cage or it'll end up owning you and eating you alive to complete that metaphor. Um, So, what we want to sort of go to in this podcast journey that we're on here going forward is I'm, I, and I have always sort of hinted at it in the podcast is being a little bit more divergent since so many podcasts in our profession are, are technical and they're so hyper-focused on the profession itself. I want to get into the personal aspects, the non work uh, aspects of what it's like to live a life as this uh, as a professional in this rather quirky <laughs> profession, um, that that uh, it just spirals out the interesting history, the interesting way that uh, the rest of the world looks at the profession, how other professionals look at it, how we look at ourselves. And I want to highlight all those things, especially uh, in the episodes going forward. So, no pun intended, using forward. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I think it's a hint of hopefully some of the amazing conversations we can have going forward. I didn't even get close to uh, talking about all the different things I wanted to talk about with Dr. Kybert. So hopefully we can have an opportunity to have her on again. And I'll see you next time on Forward, the podcast, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. And no matter when you're listening to this at any time, the clock is still ticking. You still need to get your tickets to Forward 2019. Check that out at forwardthinkingcairo.com and I will see you there in person. And maybe we'll do some podcasting in person and tell your stories, too. Take care.